So we're going to be looking at Revelation 21, verses 1 through 11, and then 22 through 27, and then uh, chapter 22, 1 through 5. So let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And skipping down to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life." Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will, will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of God stands forever. Let me pray for us before we talk more about it. Heavenly Father, we praise you for... This vision, this glorious vision of heaven, Father, would you be with us by your Holy Spirit uh, to help us 
to understand it, uh, to help us to long for it, to help us to believe it. Father, would you, uh, we, we ask that you would do that, that you would be kind to us and encourage us from your word in that way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As a parent now for coming up on 10 years, 9, 10 years, um, I found myself saying uh, some of the uh, parental cliches, the phrases that you, you kind of figure you're just never going to say because your parents said them. And, you know. But all parents end up saying them. Um, you know, things like, what did I just say? I say that one a lot. Um, brilliant things like, I'm not going to say it again. Those sorts of things. We could come up with plenty of them. And one that I've noticed that uh, we say a lot at our house um, is, look, it's going to be all right. (laughs) We say this one a lot. Um, Variation is, it's going to be okay. Uh, I'm guessing that your parents said that to you, I I hope, you know, countless times. And it's obviously in some sort of situation where there's some sort of pain or sadness or some sort of problem, right? A kid uh, skins his knee and he's just wailing. And so you come along and you say, you know, it's going to be all right. It's going to quit hurting in just a few minutes. It's going to get better. It's going to be okay. A toy gets lost and they flip out and... They're crying, and you say, it's going to be all right. We're going to find it. If it's lost, we can get a new one, but it's going to be okay. Right? You're, you're, we're trying to show them, that, look, this is temporary. This is going to pass. It's going to be okay. It's going to get better. And look, that's easy enough, right, for skin knees and, and lost toys and stuff like that. It's not that big of a deal. But you're obviously uh, at the point in life, have experienced enough of life to know that there are plenty of things um, about which mom or dad or anyone else um, can't say with any confidence, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. So what about those things? What about the scars uh, from that broken relationship? What about the pain that you have from the abuse that you uh, experienced? Um, what, about, what about your nagging guilt or maybe even self-hatred for the things that you've done? What about um, the suffering that you have from maybe some sort of physical condition? What about those things? And, and we could list, you know, thousands of others. Because your parents and, and nobody else can necessarily say, hey, it, it's going to be all right. So this semester, if you've been with us, you know that we've been studying through this book of Revelation. And so here we've come uh, to the end of our study. And each week we've said that Revelation um, is basically God pulling back the curtain of reality and showing His people what's really going on in the world, despite what it looks like. Uh, despite what it feels like, he pulls back reality and says, let me show you what's really true about the universe. And to a people originally, the original audience, right, that was facing terrible persecution, 
um, to people that knew, uh, knew they were going to die, some of them. Knew that, uh, had experienced and knew they would experience some of their relatives being uh, imprisoned or killed. To those folks, and, and even to us, God gives us this amazing vision of what's coming, of heaven. And he basically says, look, it is going to be all right. It is going to be all right. One day, someday. And so tonight, we're going to look at the, uh, the unveiled truth of heaven. And while, all right, so most of what we're going to talk about, come, it comes mostly from this passage, but in some ways, it's sort of going to be a, also sort of a survey of, of heaven. So we're going to pull from some other passages to help us get a good understanding of, of what heaven is. Uh, I want to look at it in three, three ways. We're going to see three things. First, heaven will be earthy. Secondly, heaven will be free of anything bad. And thirdly, heaven will mean perfect fellowship with God. All right, so first, heaven will be earthy. And that's in quotes. And look, I think one of the main misconceptions that a lot of people have about heaven... Um, is that it's going to be this sort of utterly foreign, abstract, alien existence. Um, that it's this sort of, uh, you know, float on the clouds, um, you know, wings and a harp, disembodied, you know, whatever, just this sort of weird uh, existence. And so I want to take just a few minutes and, and try to get a, a more biblical picture of heaven. And again, I think what we're going to see is that it's actually a lot more earthy than you might think. Um, so uh, sort of outline form here, a handful of point, quick points. A, uh, heaven's going to be earthy in its general makeup, uh, just the way it looks and feels. Um, it's going to be a lot less of the uh, float on the cloud idea. Um, and this, from what we gather in the scripture, it's actually going to look a whole lot more like this, like life. Um, in fact, notice that John doesn't even really talk about heaven, but he actually talks about, uh, look, so for the purposes of this discussion, we're talking about the one day, someday heaven, right? At the end of, at the end of everything, after Jesus comes back and, right, the uh, dead are raised, judgment day, the whole bit, right? Ultimate, final end, heaven. John talks about not just heaven, but a new heaven and a new earth. And as you continue to read, you get the picture that what's going on is that the two have become one place. That there's not an earth and then there's heaven over there. That there's a new heavens and new earth. That they're together. Uh, it's described as an enormous city. Having things like gates and walls, rivers, trees, streets. Uh, Romans 8, 20 through 22 talks about how one day uh, all of creation is going to be set free from its bondage and its corruption. Um, that, in other words, that creation is not going to be destroyed and there's going to be this new thing. It's totally different. But it's going to be restored. It's going to be, um, it's going to be changed and fixed. Um, B, uh, we, we will have real bodies. In the new heavens and new earth, we're not going to be disembodied spirits 
floating around. We're going to have actual real bodies. Philippians 3.20 through 21 says, Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. So in the, in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to have real bodies. And evidently, from what the Bible says, it's going to be like Jesus' body. So what do we know about Jesus' body? Actually, a fair amount. Luke 24, um, Jesus presents himself to his disciples and he says, touch me. Right? See, I have, I have real flesh. You know, you can touch me and feel me. Uh, later in the chapter, he eats, he eats some fish. Um, and this might seem obvious, but Jesus was recognizable to them. Right? He, um, his body has been glorified and perfected because uh, he had been beaten almost beyond recognition. And now he doesn't look like that. But he still looks like Jesus. Uh, he still seems to have the same... Um, his personality continues. Right? When, they, when his uh, disciples and friends meet him again, the risen Jesus, um, they... They know him, right? They, they, they don't just recognize him, but they interact with him like he's Jesus because he is. So we're going to have real bodies, C, third, whatever. Um, we're going to work. We're, we're actually going to do things in heaven. There's going to be work there. Uh, a guy named Lloyd George, who, uh, you know, I'm sure he was somebody important. He said, when I was a boy... When I was a boy, the thought of heaven used to frighten me more than the thought of hell. I pictured heaven as a place where time would be, where time would be perpetual Sundays with perpetual services from which there would be no escape. Maybe you can identify. Um, right? the, the Bible doesn't depict heaven as just this endless um, church service, right? Float on cloud, play your heart kind of thing. Um, uh, Revelation 22.3 uh, the second part of it what we just read but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him and now you might think wait that's exactly what you said sounds like you're saying the opposite now look certainly there's going to be worship in heaven but that, that word that we uh, translate as worship also uh, can very easily be translated as service those that love God his servants are going to serve him we're going to do things um, several of some of Jesus' parables, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, Luke 19, the parable of the ten uh, minas. Um, Jesus says that the reward for those that were faithful in this life is going to be greater responsibility in the next. Several of Jesus' parables point to the fact that there's going to be things to do, things to accomplish in heaven. Uh, think about the first picture of paradise in the Bible. It's what? The Garden of Eden. And what did they do? They had stuff to do, right? Um, they, named the, the, they were to name the animals, subdue the earth, cultivate the garden. There was work to be done. So many things to do. Uh, D, other people are going to be there. Heaven's not going to be this solitary existence. But there are going to be lots and lots of other people there. You're not going to be bored out of your mind and all alone on your cloud. Um, Right? It's described, heaven's described as a city, as a kingdom, a holy temple, a wedding feast, a mansion with many rooms. Right? From all sorts of descriptions, we get this picture that there are going to be a lot of people there. Um, e, last one. Earthly cultures 
are going to be there. Right? We just read that. Revelation 21, 24 says, The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Verse 26, They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. It seems to be that, that, that what cultures on this earth have created that's good, that it's in some sense going to live on in the new heavens and new earth. There's going to be, so in other words, there's going to be a lot of continuity with this existence that we have now and the next. And I think that's helpful to understand. So there's going to be a lot of continuity, and that's in some sense very good news. But here's more good news. There's also going to be a lot of discontinuity. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be very different. And that brings us to our second point. Second point, heaven is going to be free of anything and everything bad. There is not going to be, right, in the new heavens and the new earth, the place where God dwells and man dwells has become one. And because he lives there, nothing bad can be there. Only goodness. All right, so a handful of uh, points again. A, there's not, there will be no more sin in us. In the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be what the Bible and what, what theologians call glorified. Glorification. Right? We, we will not sin anymore. And not only will we not sin, will we not do wrong things. Think about this. You won't even want to sin. It won't be that um, there's, there's temptation and you feel it and you're able to win every time, which would be wonderful. There will be no, no desire for sin. It'll be gone. Uh, we get the picture uh, in Revelation 22, what we just read, the picture of Jerusalem Um, a representation of God's people. And it's this picture of a city that's perfect. Right? um, We we skipped over the part where the angel measures the the city and it turns out that it's basically a, a perfect cube. And that's supposed to remind us, right, Old Testament, of the Holy of Holies where God dwelt. The tabernacle. And you get the picture that that God's people have been made just as perfect as He is. There's going to be no more sin. Just think about that. That one day, you will never have another judgmental thought about somebody. You'll never have a lustful thought ever again. You'll never see somebody and think, what an idiot. I can't stand her. You'll never have you'll never have the you'll never have to be plagued with if you struggle with same sex attraction, maybe. And you don't want that. And you and you fight against it and you fight against it and those thoughts just don't leave. There is coming a day when those thoughts will not be there. You'll never be angry and say something you regret again. 
You'll never be lazy. You'll never be greedy ever again. And not only will you not do those things, but you will actually, right, the the opposite will be true. You'll always think about people with perfect love. You'll look at other people and what they have and what they get, and you'll be thrilled for how God's provided for them and not jealous. You'll always be truthful. You'll always be productive and generous. What an amazing truth. No more sin in us. B, uh, there's going to be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. Verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So look, what does that mean? Not only will the bad stuff inside of us be gone, but the bad stuff outside of us is going to be gone too. Right? Can, you, can you imagine what it's going to be like to exist forever where there is no such thing as death? Where you don't have to watch the people that you love get old, grow old and get sick and die. There's no more cancer. There's no more death. There are no more school shootings. No more suicide bombings. There's no more war. There are no more car wrecks. There are no more heart attacks. No more strokes. It says there will not be any more sadness. So that means... I have Kleenex in my pocket. I have blown my nose in mid-sermon before. Hopefully we won't do that tonight, but if it's going to be any night, it'll be tonight. There will be be no more divorce, no more miscarriages, no more breakups, no more bad news, no more sex trade, no more rape, no more sexual assault. There's not going to be any more pain, so no emotional pain, No physical pain. No more injury. No more headaches. All of it's going to be gone forever. Uh, Thirdly here, C. Our bodies will be glorious also. Be glorified. Uh, Yeah, our physical bodies will be perfected. Uh, Like we said, Jesus was, was beaten. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah will be beaten beyond recognition. Uh, and so certainly that uh, came to fruition. But um, our bodies are going to work perfectly in the new heavens and the new earth. Right? What an amazing day. What an amazing day where I won't be tired anymore. What an amazing day when my son will hear with his ears Man, I'm not going to get through this next illustration uh, I had a friend who's um, in college his mom died <clears throat> alright he's got to do it right alright uh, his friend, a friend in college, his mom died, had cancer. And we, uh, we went to the funeral. 
and his, uh, <clears throat> his little brother had something terrible. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it might have been spina bifida. Um, so he's, you know, his body's a wreck. He's in a wheelchair, you know, for the rest of his life. And the pastor, in the middle, <clears throat> in the middle of the service, so he's talking about, uh, you know, the good news of heaven and such. He looks down at this, this boy, my friend's brother, and he says, one day, you will see your mother again. And on that day, you will run to her. That day is coming. No more physical pain. There's going to be no curse in creation, D. No more curse. Not only will our bodies work right and we won't sin, but all of creation is going to be free from the curse. Romans 8, 20 through 22, we've already referenced that. But So what does that mean? It means, no more, uh, it mean, it means things like no more tornadoes that destroy property. No more hurricanes, no more tsunamis, no more mudslides, no more frostbite or hypothermia or heat stroke, no more um, poison ivy, at least it makes you itch, no more bee stings and spider bites, shark attacks. Um, The created world is not going to fight back. That also means that uh, in our work, which we've already established is going to be in heaven, in our and our, our work will not be frustrating. Our work will be wonderful. Right? Work is not a bad thing. Work is not a result of the fall. Uh, work being hard is a result of the fall. So in the new heavens and the new earth, you're going to put your hand to a task and it's going to be satisfying. Right? You, you've experienced that every once in a while here. Right, when you decide to, you've got to write a paper, you decide to build something, uh, makes whatever it is, every once in a while you put your hand to something and it, by and large, it just goes pretty well. And you know that feel like it feels so much, it feels really good. And you don't think, man, that was miserable. You think, like, I wrote a pretty good paper. I made that. Right? Can you imagine that it's always going to be way better than that? That's what heaven's going to be like. All right, our third point is that heaven is going to mean perfect fellowship with God. And look, let me be clear to say that as wonderful as those first, uh, what we've just talked about, as unbelievable as that is, those things are possible because of this truth. Those things are a reality because of this reality. And so this, in other words, this is the true um, glory of heaven, of why heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, is going to be amazing. Um, the point of heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, is that God lives there. And we're going to live with him face to face, whatever that means. We're going to be with him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Revelation 21, 3-4 says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself 
will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Verse 7 says, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Look, we will... Right? Heaven and earth occupying the same space means that we will no longer live by faith. We will live by sight. We will get to behold God in His glory face to face. We'll get to see see Him and be with Him forever. And it means that we'll be loved by Him. We'll experience the fullness of His love forever. The fullness of His love. Um, look, if you're, if you're a believer now, certainly God loves you as much as, as possible right now. He's not going to love you more in the new heavens and the new earth. But we're going to experience the fullness of that in, in, in a new way, in a more full way. Uh, Revelation 21 gives us at least two metaphors of what that love is like. Uh, it's the love of, uh, of, of father to child, father and son, and husband and wife. And I want to end with, uh, with looking just for a second at the, at the second one. At this picture of the new heavens and the new earth, we get this picture of God's love for His people, right? This intimate face-to-face relationship is like that of husband and wife. Verse 9, the angel says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And what John sees is the city of Jerusalem, God's people, coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God. Right, we've gotten a glimpse of this back in Revelation 19, which we actually didn't, I don't think, got to talk about, but um, at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Uh, Jesus being wed to his bride, to the church, to me and you. It's the picture of God's people as the perfect bride. And Jesus is the groom. Now, some of you have heard, us, heard me talk before about um, engagement, right? That engagement is this great thing. And yet it's this weird thing, right? You get engaged and it's so fun because it's exciting and now you can talk about it and you call all your friends and you do the whole bit. But then, you know, it's the end of the night and, and you're still not married, you know, and you realize, like, oh, man. Mm. Well, see ya. Good night. And so it's awesome. But it's just not everything yet, right? And then one day, your wedding day comes. And you finally do get the, the fullness, right? You get, to, you get to be together forever. You get to live together, sleep together, right? The, the whole bit. And it's beautiful. And look, that's, right, that, that's the picture that the Bible gives. And it says that's just a taste. That you get the fullness of knowing what it's like to experience and know the love of Jesus. Right, so think about this. That, that one day, um, it, it means that, that you and I are not going to doubt anymore. There's not going to be any more, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's not going to be any more struggles wondering how God feels about us this week. 
uh, there's not going to be any more natural tendency to wonder if God really has my best interest at heart. There's not going to be any more um, worshiping God and having to kind of get our hearts in gear and like remind our hearts and maybe even convince ourselves, like, I really do believe this, right? I do. It's going to be gone. There's no more, there's going to be no more feeling insecure or embarrassed or ashamed of what we've done because because we know the fullness of Jesus' love. We'll experience the full love of our husband. I want to end with this illustration that some of you might have heard it before. It's my favorite wedding illustration. It's awesome. Uh, this is my favorite wedding story, of course, besides my own wedding. Um, I, got to, I went to a friend of mine's wedding, oh gosh, 15 years ago. And so I'm sitting, let's say, average, medium-sized church, uh, church building. I'm on the very back row, got there a little late, whoops, I'm sitting on the very back row. So I'm as far away as possible. Uh, in this church, there's no center aisle, okay? So the groom's down front, and like straight back from him, right, you got the doors closed, and so when the music strikes up and it's time for the bride to come out, the doors open, everybody does what? They stand up, right? And there's a slight rise to the, you know, to the, uh, the floor, right? And so when they stand up, because there's no center aisle, all of a sudden the groom can't see. So the doors, like, this is what he's been waiting for, the doors open, he can't see. I'm on the back row of the church. And here's what I can see. I can see, right, all the people, and I see his head bobbing up and down because he is jumping. And I hear him basically yelling, I can't see her. I can't see her. Right, every girl in this room just like, I wish my husband, I hope, I'm hoping for that husband. I mean, he's basically, in some ways, Ray is beautiful, but sort of making a fool of himself. But he doesn't care because he loves this woman. He is desperate to see her. Right, and that, that kind of love is just this hint of the love that Jesus has for you, that you and I are going going to get to experience forever, for eternity. And look, since all of that's true, that has to be an encouragement for all the difficulties that we face here and now. Because, Because one day, someday, everything really is going to be all right. And that's good news. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, what good news you bring. What good news you've accomplished. That one day, someday, we will be with you. We can scarcely understand that. But thank you for the vision. Grow it. Grow us into it. And we ask it in your name. Amen.